We are back, baby. We are back. That's we right. are back. You are looking live. We get after it. You know, we jabber jaw. We go tit for tat. We have our little differences. Let's get funky like a monkey. And here we go. Hello and welcome to the New San Rooney Podcast. This is episode 263 of The Pod. Alongside Matt Rooney, I am Joe Musso, and we have a cornucopia of topics here um, coming out of the dog days of summer, heading into football season, but everybody seems to be making news over the last week. We'll talk White Sox, we'll talk Bears, we'll talk Big Ten TV deals, a little bit of Bulls primetime TV schedule as we uh, start to tease NBA action coming our way in just about two months now as well. Uh, Some big news out of the PGA Tour, at least big news regarding what the tour is doing behind closed doors to combat live golf. Uh, We got a new deal for LeBron, KD turning heel. A lot to get to here, Matt Rooney. So we're going to do it in a buy or sell format throughout the entirety of this podcast. But before we do that, first and foremost, buy or sell, Matt Rooney, you're feeling good. I didn't know. How I, to, I, I didn't know how to. Oh no! That a, buy it. Buy it. Buy it. I saw. I was scrolling. Like I was scrolling through Twitter this morning when I was walking downstairs to get my coffee, and I saw that we the, the CBS college football music lives. So I could not be. I'm. I'm. I'm great this morning. That's yeah. Right. You, you kind of knew it was coming, but you know you, the 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 rumors that the Big Ten was going to have the you know that that you know, the second Big Ten game was going to be on CBS had been been there for a while, but now that it's official, I can take a deep sigh of you know relief because. My God, there's nothing that hits like that that CBS college football music on, you know, at 3.30 on 2.30 on a Saturday once you're kind of right into the slate when you might be ready to close your eyes there for just like a, a, a small little cat nap and you have that music in the background. Oh, I, I can't wait for fall. Just get me here. Yeah, I think that, you know, looking at some of the reactions here on Twitter, um, a lot of people – let's say south of the Mason Dixon or say, Oh, that, that just feels gross. That music doesn't match big 10 football. I don't know. I turned yeah, it, it on and it felt right, right away. Um, the, what was the sec on CBS jingle? Let's just call it the CBS college football jingle yeah. uh, set to some of those um, high profile matchups in the big 10, which will be coming our way with this new TV deal taking place in 2023. Uh, I believe it's a $7 billion TV rights yep. deal uh, over a seven-year span. I want to say it's a billion dollars a year, if I'm not mistaken on the details there. Uh, early slot around 12 o'clock will be Fox. The 3.30 slot will be CBS, and the night slot will go to NBC. No signs of ABC or ESPN, which breaks a, a long-standing relationship there. So you can only believe that that money will be allocated to the SEC at some point. Um, and it might be just a full ESPN, uh, SEC on ESPN slate. We'll see if that comes to fruition here. But, Matt, I guess let me just phrase it the way we're going to phrase everything here. Yeah. Buy or sell the Big Ten on CBS. I, I buy it. I'm just I'm happy CBS is keep that. You, you had to assume they'd keep college football on some, Stay right? In and the college football game. It's, yeah. it's going to be a little bit weird not having, you know, LSU, Auburn and seeing these new teams, but that'll take, you know, a year or so to get used to or a couple of weeks, probably even to get used to. Um, mm-hmm. But I think it's a great TV deal for the Big Ten. I think it kind of keeps it does a great job of separating, separating themselves from the SEC a little bit. So they have their chance to be highlighted because we're kind of going towards this path of of two super conferences. And if we're not there yet, we're almost there, certainly. And they're not going to play second fiddle to anybody in this TV deal. So I, I think it's a great deal for them. 
and, and I think keeps them with traditional broadcasting partners and kind of just, I think it goes hand in hand with the big 10. Um, it's going to be weird, maybe tuning into an Iowa Penn state punt off after hearing that music at three 30, but I, I'm still, I'm all in on it. And then the, the interesting thing that I was thinking about was the, the NBC primetime game. Okay. I'm interested to see what that means for, for our team, for Notre Dame, yep. because it, it is also rumored that Notre Dame's closing in on a, their own TV deal. And they're probably going to stay independent for at least a couple of years. Yeah. Um, I mean, and it would have to be with NBC. That, I don't see who else it would be with. That's what this, that's what this deal could so, me too, is that they're, they, the big 10 has worked out this TV rights deal with the assumption that, USC, UCLA, and the current Big Ten will be, be the pool of teams. This number yeah. would have been different, and the channels might have looked a little different if Notre Dame was a bigger player in this. I mm-hmm. think this tells us independence will remain for Notre Dame, and like you said, there will be another um, solo TV contract. Yeah. Probably th- on NBC, but that, like so. you said, it squeezes, no, it squeezes so the night the tr- window. Well, it, it does, but it doesn't. They'll keep the three thirty game, and then you know you look at their schedule. They're going to have some Big Ten spots on there. It'll probably just end up being that Notre Dame's night games are you know USC and twenty three. I guess twenty twenty four wouldn't be them, but twenty twenty five it'll be USC or here and there it's a certain Big Ten opponent or they'll, they'll figure something out that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and if they have to, if, if one is bumped to NBC Sports Network or USA or something like that, I would over these next you know year or two until that. Um, until the Big Ten expands a little bit more, the schedule's got to clear up a little bit more. But I'm not terribly so, worried about it. I'm more just interested to see what happens. Here's my big takeaway here is that I think this is yet another step towards – I think this is a good thing. I think it's a great thing for CBS and Fox and for NBC and for Big Ten football as they try and you know win this power struggle with the SEC to be the premier conference in college football as we uh, revert towards uh, college football – Pangea, if you will. But I think that over the next decade, it's going to become very obfuscated who belongs where and what should be watched where. I just think that conferences are going to be a relic of the past in the not too distant future, Um, at least the way we situate, excuse me, in our mind. Because think about it two years from now, you're watching USC, Michigan State, which already doesn't make sense and is going to take five to 10 years for you to get used to. So what does it matter if this is under a uh, Big Ten banner with the CBS eye on it or if it's under a SEC banner with ESPN's logo on it? I just think everything is going to be so mixed and matched and different from where it is today that everything's going to feel a little bit unnatural to start. So I, I don't think that there's going to be any big, like uh, learning curves, not the word here, but I don't think there's, there's going to be any sort of like uncomfortability ab- about it because everything's going to be a little bit uncomfortable. Nothing's going to make all that much sense. You're going to have to flip open your phone or your laptop and say, all right, three 30, I want to watch the Iowa Northwestern game. Where is that? It's probably going to be still on big 10 network. You know, big yeah. 10 network's going to maintain that second tier level of, I don't think it's, I don't think a whole lot is changing other than the fact that CBS is staying in the college football space is, was my biggest takeaway here. And obviously I'm viewing it through that lens because of the people that signed the bottom of my check as well. Yeah. And then I'm, I'm happy for you there as well. I'm happy for CBS as, as an outside CBS observer, as a CBS fan. Happy they still have it supporting uh, supporting Joseph, supporting the podcast. <laughs> um, uh, I, but I think you're right. I think college, the college football landscape is changing so fast and so quickly that 
what we're getting quote unquote, trying to get used to now might not even be the same. It might not even be around in a year or two because just everything is starting to change. We're not going to have a power five conferences for conference for very long. Things are going to change and, and teams that we see on these networks are going to change because teams and conferences are going to change. And I think what you said about conference is kind of going away. I don't, I think the conference like names will still always be around, but it does seem like we're our idea of, of the conference. You know? Yes. Our, our, our idea of the conference is, or what we grew up with as conferences are, are not going to be around for very much longer. But I, I think uh, I'm glad that we just, just sprung right into this by yourself too. We got bears, we got white Sox. We're talking college football. We're talking CBS. I, I love it. I think this is a great way to kick off the podcast because it's a very positive way to kick off the podcast. I, I think we're both very, very happy with this one. Uh, do we want to tow that line of positivity elsewhere? You want to, you want to throw it out there? You want to take one of these topics, spin it into a buy or sell matter? I am because I uh, I was on a lovely <laughs> lovely little getaway golf trip uh, over the weekend. Yet another one for myself in Lake Geneva with uh, the life's rough. Titans. Life's rough. Life's rough, man. Uh, golf trips are pretty much over for the year for me. So yeah, life's life's rough now. Um, didn't get to watch a ton of the Bears because I was out on the golf course. But I wanted to ask you, buy or sell, uh, what you saw from the Bears in their preseason opener. I, I didn't see much of it, like I said, but I saw some highlights. Did some reading on it. All things seem positive, but I know you were uh, an, an avid viewer there, keeping uh, keeping a close eye on it. So why don't you tell the viewers, buy or sell what you saw? Uh, I'd say it's somewhere between the two, but I'd lean towards a buy. Um, okay. I liked the uh, the limited look I saw out of fields. I was happy with. I wasn't thrilled with. A uh, couple balls fluttered. Even the deep ball to Mooney was underthrown. Um, but, you know, throw it up there, give your guy a shot. Um, footwork looked a little bit, um, I feel like he tries to do everything a little too cool sometimes. Like, I feel like he gets a little, like he's trying to time everything up. Like he wants to be top of his three step and not reading it. He wants to be top of his three step and letting it go. And sometimes he'll, or top of his five step and letting it go. And Mm -hmm. sometimes he'll slow down that five step to time it up with his throw. I don't know if that makes any sense. Like I don't love he needs to be his feet need to be sharper in the pocket is my okay. first takeaway. He's he gets a little lays off fair with his footwork. And then I think everything comes off of that. I think the throw comes off of that. I think the reads come off of that. I think it needs to be top of the drop as hard as you can and then play the game from there. Um, now, I'm not I'm not some football. I'm not some quarterback guru, but looked a little sloppy with his feet still. Um, I did like the way he kind of commanded the moment was commanding the huddle. Um, delivered some nice passes on time to go against what I was just saying. But um, Fields looked I, – I give Fields on a rating out of 10. I give him a solid 7, a 7.2, okay. somewhere in that range. Um, Take that for week special, one. Special teams is something that you have to look at. I think special teams is where you can learn a lot about a team in preseason because it's a lot of guys trying to earn jobs on special teams. It's probably where you're going to get the most intensity uh, mm-hmm. throughout a preseason matchup or – let me say it this way. You're going to get special teams is going to look closer to regular season special teams than offense and defense are going to look to like the regular season version of that. So yeah. I like the way that the special teams looked. I like how some of the guys were flying around. Um, the kid from Lake Zurich. Uh, Sam, Sanborn? Recovery. Yeah, Sanborn had a fumble recovery, an intercept, did everything. Um, really stole some eyes there. Uh, defensively, I am so excited to watch this secondary play together. I'm hoping that the addition of Brisker can really elevate guys on the outside and then maybe reignite Eddie Jackson in the back yeah. end. Um, I think that that is the strength of our team this year. Um, hook, line, and sinker is the defensive backfield. Now, it's hard for that to be the strength of a football team and to win 
10 games um, to win eight games. Like if your secondary is your strength, you're playing a lot of catch up and those guys yeah. are out there for a long time. And, you know, I, I don't want to project these feelings out into a 17 game season, but I think that from what I saw week one preseason, it's a team that's engaged. It's a team that's responding to their head coach. And um, it's a team with a lot of room to develop. I re- I was very unhappy with the offensive line, but I was expecting to be unhappy with the offensive line. Yeah. Now it sounds like Tevin Jenkins is going to move into a right guard role. So, for, so from being shopped on the trade dead uh, on the trade, he said a really weird weeks ago to have injury availability to moving to right guard. I, I don't even know how to keep track of all of it, but um, I'd say through one week of preseason, we got another game coming here on Thursday night through one week of preseason. They are who we thought they were a little bit. Okay. I'll take that. It seems like uh, starting with field, it, it seems like the one thing that you see uh, constantly is coming off of camp that the one thing they're working on, the one thing that Getsy seems to always be talking about in terms of development is that footwork. It mm-hmm. seems like just about no effort was put into developing that footwork last year mm-hmm. um, or really developing him at all whatsoever. I don't mean to rip that, but just uh, this is kind of like Getsy getting a rookie quarterback to an extent with a little bit of an NFL experience. But I think in terms of footwork, in terms of kind of the little things like that, that this is going to be kind of like a rookie season for Justin Fields. So I think what you want to see from him is what we want to see from overall. But with that footwork and stuff like that is just keep getting better. The, the mistakes are going to be there. There's going to be sometimes that, you know, the, the footwork might look a little lazy, that the throws might look a little, you know, might sail a throw here and there. But as long as we see that progress throughout this year, I think that's all we're kind of starting to agree. That's all we want. That's all we really want to see. And then in terms of, in terms of the secondary, I have not seen uh, Jaquan Brisker play, but I really want to see this kid play. It seems like everybody is saying he's having a great camp. He's all over the field. Uh, Everybody's rate preseason performance was good, but everybody's raving about him from camp. I'm interested to see if, you know, his, him playing well in a new scheme on defense that probably fits the defense a little bit better, maybe does reignite Nettie Jackson. Uh, it does highlight Jalen Johnson. Again, if your secondary is your best, the best part of your defense, you're probably not going to be winning a ton of games because they're going to be putting to work, be being put to work a lot. Um, but there are a lot of standout guys in that area that I'm looking forward to seeing this year and kind of seeing if they can either take the next step or like you said with Eddie Jackson, kind of take a step back and go back to where he was. Yeah, I, I'm not sure what Brisker's snap count was. I'd probably ballpark it, guess it, somewhere from ter- 20 to 30 snaps. He probably played about 20, 25 snaps. Mm-hmm. I, it felt like it felt like for a rookie, his ball instincts are so high level already. Like every play, he was either laying a hat, uh, in on a pass breakup, or like if it was a run play like weak side or strong side, like a run play opposite of him. He's still running by the play as the guy goes to the ground. Like he's just, Uh he was just where he was supposed to be every time I was looking for him. And sometimes when I was not, and you know, we're getting used to different Jersey numbers right now. So it was really easy to identify that number nine flying around the field. So um, I like that number for him. uh, It's a nice safety number back to like a a Jimmy Mack feel. Wasn't didn't Trevathan switch to nine last year, but then he was like six. That was weird. That's what it was. That's what he was 56 and then switched to six. Um, But yeah, no, the nine, the nine's going to look good. He can make a name for himself under that number. Um, But yeah, really excited to see how they've progressed over this last week. Now. I mean, I don't love the idea of playing preseason football in a short week, uh, but yeah, I think I saw starters get like six to ten snaps this week, that's so it, it doesn't look like that's because it. it's saw, probably that short week. But I, that's a smart decision. 
you see what happens to a guy like Zach Wilson just because he wants to cut one back and like feel things. Just less is just, more. And I know yeah. we got to develop these guys. I know we got to get them looks. But with what the expectation is for the 17 game season this year, my expectation is not playoffs. Don't get somebody hurt in week two of the preseason in a developmental year. Yeah. This whole year is meant for development. Yep. As, as unfortunate Brett. and unwelcome as that is. It's going to be growing pains this year. So why try and like supercharge that process in week two when it doesn't matter? As you know? much as I, is, I, I, it's not that hard for me to swallow, honestly, because the last couple of years have been like deep down, you know, they're not going anywhere. Deep yeah. down, you know, they're not winning anything of substance. Last year, most but with like, But with like the way they've approached off seasons and the way they approach the roster, like, they made it seem like their goal is to go somewhere and do something and be a playoff team. And like, so you kind of had to week one, get yourself in up for those expectations because mm-hmm. as much as you didn't want to believe them, you kind of had to root for it because you knew it was kind of the only path for the organization. Now that like we know going into this year, it's a developmental year and that we're not expecting playoffs. Like I know we have some talented pieces going forward. And obviously when, when they kick off at noon on a Sunday, I'm going to hope like hell the bears win but it's going to be a lot easier to stomach some of these games and stomach some of these performances. If I see the signs of development, because the expectations are that we're not, well, you want to win games. The main goal here is developing and getting these guys experience. And yeah. I think that is going to make this season a lot easier to stomach than definitely last year and the year before. I think so as well. And just as long as, like you said, um, it's going to be a, a nauseating refrain, but like, steps forward one foot in front of the other see where you are week 10 and then maybe if you are surprising yourself and your fan base then you then you pivot from there and you reset your intentions and your goals now that's external internal i am a strong believer in if i'm justin fields if i'm darnell mooney if i'm eddie jackson if i'm one of these guys who has a voice in the locker room we're here to win we're going to oh, win every week. That's just that's just got to be the competitor spirit. You can't you can't have the uh, fans' expectation. The player expectation has to be win seventeen games this year. Like that's yeah, that's the only way. That's the only way you win eight games is if the goal is to win seventeen games this year. You know. So I, I hope that that's I hope that the external refrain is not seeping into the locker room or that it does at any point this year. Yeah, I I, I don't think it will because I mean. Not that we've been in locker rooms like that, but you've been in locker rooms enough where you, you might know your team's not quite up to par, but when things start going and you start practicing, you start getting ready for games, your 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 emphasis is to win. That's the only thing you're thinking about. So I, I don't worry about that for the locker room. And I, I just kind of noticed here, Joe, we've gone just about half the podcast on a college football TV <laughs> deal in Bears week one of preseason. So if there's ever been any doubt that this is a football oh, it pod, is football it, it's, it's football season, we're a football pod. We're back. <laughs> oh, goodness. Uh, well, let's let's spin it forward here to some other topics. We do have lots to get to here uh, in the thick of the baseball season. And every time we're ready to write them off, they they rattle off five in a row, two against uh, the best team in the American League, uh, arguably the best team in the American League in the Houston Astros. Uh, very easily could have been three in a row. Uh, yeah. But, you know, you don't get a bounce here. You don't get a bounce there. They took care of business against Detroit since we last spoke. Matt, by yourself the White Sox are back. I don't, I can't wait, 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 say, let me rephrase. Let me rephrase. Let me rephrase. Cause that's way too vague. I, I want to like, I want to tie you to a commitment. Here. Sure. Buy yourself. The White Sox are a playoff team. 
I'm going to buy that because this team now it, it's I will know a lot more after this three game series they got in Cleveland coming up. Not just because Cleveland's leading the division, but more so they don't play. The Cleveland seems to be the new Oakland. Like they just can't beat them, and things seem mm-hmm. to always go wrong, and weird stuff happens. I'm afraid I'm of Josh to, Naylor. I'm, I'm, just, I'm, I'm afraid of him. Did you, did you see what happened? Night? By the way, you, yeah, did you see the they three strikeouts in an inning and they still scored six runs? Like, <laughs> I it's whatever. He went, it's, he whatever. Went first to third and then gave like a full like I'm too fucking yeah. fast. I'm screaming like, and yelling. I need to see. I need to see them go into that series and take two or three take two or three games win three of three like i'm happy we get cueto and cease going on the back end of that and as bad as lance lynn has been this year i maybe he you know he's the guy he at least kind of has the mindset of going into cleveland and not giving a shit who he's playing yeah um but what we i didn't watch the Tigers series because i was like i said out, out on a golf course in lake geneva um, but it seemed like, you know, they were coming from behind and again, you shouldn't have to come from behind against the Tigers, but the way that we're seeing the Tigers play Cleveland, they're actually playing some decent baseball right now. And these last two games against the last three games against Houston, even like they're right there with Houston. Like the, these have had playoff atmosphere type feels to it. They've had playoff pitching matchups and they haven't hit a home run yet in the series. And they've taken two or three and they had a chance to take three or three last night. With, you know, they had the bases loaded, nobody out in the bottom of the fourth, and Josh Harrison swings at the first pitch for some ungodly reason. I don't know why. They mm-hmm. had Moncada up last night with two on, down a run, and, you know, can't do it three nights in a row. He strikes out on a, on a tough pitch, and that, that happens sometimes. But, like, they're right there against Houston, and it seems like it, it seems like the fire is back a little bit. Like, it, 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 they don't seem like they're going through the motions as much, it's especially this series. Like, I haven't seen you know, Yohan Moncada gave a huge fist bump last night after getting the the go ahead hit. And like you haven't seen him react that much or react that hard all this season. Mm-hmm. You know, it just it seems like while they're still not where they need to be, they still need to hit home runs. Um, they still need to have a little bit of a better approach at the plate. But the mindset and the attitude seems to be there, and it seems like coming out of the the leaders only, the whatever the veterans meeting that Larusa had with you know, eight or 10 guys before the Houston series, I think it was mm-hmm. kind of the message was like, Hey guys, we've gone from confident to cocky and we need to kind of bring it back to confident. Like they, they, they and that makes a lot of sense. It kind of seemed a lot of like this year, like they just expected good things to happen. And it seemed like the vibe coming out of that meeting is like, Hey guys, these things aren't just going to happen. We need to make them happen. Now I'm a little bit yeah. upset. It took till mid August for that to happen. Um, but it seems like the message is sent. The division's still right there for the taking. They're two games back against honestly two teams that they're better than. And if this is the if we get this team for the next six weeks, they're going to win the AL Central. So that's where I buy this. If we get this this version, this effort, um, I, I think you'll you'll see some home runs start to come. And I think we see an AL Central division win. I, if they revert back to their old selves, no, they probably don't. But I maybe I'm maybe I'm putting on the clown makeup here. But I, I think this is we're starting to see the team that we finally thought we'd see. Yeah. And if they can do that with any sort of consistency, I agree with you. This is the best team in the division and they'll win the division, but I do send some pause in your voice a little bit, Matt. So I'll ask you this. What is your biggest concern with this team over the next six weeks? Home runs, home okay. runs. It's, it's entirely home runs. They have, I, I believe in Dylan's now. I, I talked, I texted with you about it a little bit after Verlander, yeah. like Dylan yeah. Cease had a chance. I, I've been saying it all year. I, I, as I love the streak he went on with the one and run and all that. 
I needed to see him do it in a big game or a playoff game type atmosphere. That was his playoff game type atmosphere. And I granted, if a ball doesn't go off Andrew Vaughn's glove, uh, he gets out of that inning uh, unscathed, but it did. And then after that, he allowed another double. Like he wasn't bad, but like five innings, three earned runs, like that's against the Astros. Like a little pedestrian. You'll take it, but yeah. like if you're if you want to be Justin Verlander, if you want to be the guy you're going up against, that's that's not what you that's with your ace. That's a okay. Like that's no. not quite good enough. So it's silver, almost like an incomplete for me. It's better than his last line, start against Houston at home in the playoffs. But it was. It was good. It, for me, it didn't raise a ton of red flags. It wasn't cause for concern. It wasn't that shutdown performance I was Correct. looking for. I will, I but it did, totally present, it did present the stage for me to learn something about this team or for this team to prove something to me and to the fan base is that when the ace doesn't get you a two-run lead, doesn't get you a one-run lead, doesn't get you a three-run lead when you're not in position to win – that this team still can go get one. Yep. Like they, they grinded it out against Verlander, chased Verlander, scored the runs they needed, and won in dramatic fashion. Like you're going to have to do that in the playoffs. You're not going to get eight innings of scoreless baseball from your entire no. staff like it's 2005. Like it's just not – that's just not how baseball works. And for them to prove that, okay, Dylan gave up three. We can go score four against this guy. That, that showed me a lot the other night. Yeah, and he had a bullpen that also came out, and when Dylan gave up three, completely shut the door. Um, Jose Ruiz hasn't been great this year, but he threw a nice inning. Vince Velasquez was a roller coaster ride in his inning that game, but he came out and shut the door. Uh, Jimmy Lambert was fantastic. I don't, I, I mean, I know where he came from. I know he came from the system, but like, I don't know where the hell he came out of came from this year. But he's been like really good coming out of the bullpen. Yeah. And Liam Hendricks, I guess we just need to get used to him not being good for the first two weeks of the season, figuring out his fastball and not panicking. Cause once he does, he's pretty darn unhittable. Like he was, he's pretty much on, like he's been unhittable. He's got 17, 18 straight save conversions. And mm-hmm. last night, again, Joe Kelly seems to be healthy. He pitched well, Jake Diekman, the acquisition from, from Boston, he's lowered his ERA, like close to two and a half points since that trade. And Ronaldo Lopez continues to be, maybe the most valuable bullpen swing arm if they can get to the playoffs. I mean, he's that guy that can go two or three shutout innings if he has to. So the bullpen seems to be coming to form at the right time. Yeah. Um, and it's it's got to take some pressure off the starters too, knowing like I don't have to go seven scoreless here to give us a chance to win. I just need to do my job and keep us in a ball game. And we got guys behind us that can shut a door. We got a lineup that if they start putting the ball over the fence is as good as any. And I think you're starting to see guys come around. AJ Pollock's been really good out of the leadoff spot. Eloy looks Eloy after a, a rough start coming back from the IL is he's putting in as good of bats as anybody. He's still, he's laying off the low sliders. He's taking walks. He's going the other way with the ball. He's making solid contact. I've been wildly impressed with him since he's come back. And if he's healthy, if Luis Robert gets healthy and they can start putting some balls over the wall, they're going to be really, really hard to beat. Yeah. I think that, um, you know, the just the tenor of the conversation has changed so much in a week, and we will see what this conversation sounds like a week from today. Uh, I will not have thoughts. I will be uh, I will be wrapped up in. You'll be, uh, you'll be elsewhere. I'll be I'll be I'll be at altitude preparing for marriage. Um, so that'll be something perhaps that you and I believe Phil, Phil's a Phil's a Sox fan, right? Phil's a Sox guy. We can touch so on get, college get, football can, slash slash Sox. Yeah, you get some fresh socks thoughts from uh, from Phil and Phil for uh, 
episode 264, which will be our college football preview as well with Phil Goff. Uh, looking yeah. forward to that one. Um, but Matt, let's keep this party rolling. I think it, the, the ball is now in your court for a buy or sell. It is. I want to take a look here. What do we got? What do we got? You know what? Let's talk Tiger. Let's oh. buy it. Let's talk Tiger. It's rare we get to talk about him because he only plays a couple times a year. But when the big cat shows up for a meeting, you you know it's important. And you know that mm-hmm. the, the Rory quote yesterday was fantastic. Like, yeah, when Tiger's in the room, it's pretty clear there's one alpha and it's not me. Um, yeah. I, I don't really know how I want to phrase this one because we don't necessarily know exactly what went on in that meeting, if I'm mm-hmm. not mistaken, do we? No, 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 no. It was just it, the whole meeting. Buy or sell the meeting. Buy or sell the meeting. Yeah, let's go I, with that. I buy or the, sell I, the meeting. I'd buy the meeting. It was something that needed to happen six months ago, but I buy the meeting. I think that there is no more influential name, face, decision maker, executive, player, league. Doesn't matter. Tiger Woods is golf. And if you have Tiger Woods, you have something on your side that the other side does not. And I think that Tiger in this situation and at the current juncture of his career is not a primetime premium player, top 25 guy in the world. That's obvious. We might be done watching Tiger Woods play golf, but the game of golf is still reliant on his decision-making. It's Mm -hmm. reliant on his presence. It's reliant on his vote of confidence. We just saw uh, the game announced 2K23 with Tiger on the cover of it. He's a cover athlete for the video game. Um, I completely buy this. I think that this is Jay Monahan's admission that, okay, I'm out of my depth. I need a little help Tiger, what do we do here? Because – and, I, and I'm not going to – I have no information that suggests this is true, but Tiger Woods for the last 30 years has been in rooms and shaken hands and done deals with the PGA Tour, with the Asian Tour, with the European Tour. Um, he has uh, reportedly turned down appearance fees for the um, – for the old Saudi tournament that they would play. Like he went and played the tournament, but he didn't take the $3 million they wanted to give him. All I'm saying is like, he has um, non-material knowledge, non-public material knowledge of how these people operate, what they want, what they do, how you can combat it. Nobody's got a better playbook on what the PGA tour needs right now than Tiger Woods. And a lot of it's going to just boil down to dollars and cents and Tiger saying, Hey Jay, open up the checkbook that uh, emergency fund you have, all of these guys in this room that have pledged their allegiance to you that have not wavered, that have not taken the blood money, it needs to be made right by them as well. You know, there maybe I know these are independent contractors and you, you eat what you kill, but how about for the 125 guys that made the PGA Tour next season? How about a baseline pay of, hey, everybody makes a million. You make the tour, you're one of those guys who who's in tears at the corn fairy finals last week. Guess mm-hmm. what? Not only did you realize an, a lifelong dream, but here's a million dollars to come play on this tour. So you can travel and you can play these tournaments and you can worry, not have to worry about playing in the red, you know, things yeah. like that. It's going to boil down to money, but if suggested by tiger woods, it's taken seriously. It's so going to carry I, a lot more weight. Yeah, exactly. And no disrespect to Jay Monahan, but he has terribly mismanaged the situation. Got, to the position where Tiger has to fix it, but I don't think anyone can fix it, or I don't think anyone can build the bridge the way that Tiger can, because Tiger still has the respect of all those players who have defected, 
to the Live Golf Tour. So mm-hmm. if at some point we can find a common ground and talk about what needs to be done or what needs to happen to bring these tours together, what needs to happen to get those guys back from that tour, who's going to build that bridge better than Tiger Woods? So I, I can't buy it anymore wholeheartedly. Now, I do have a sell within. Okay. And I do need a to buy sell. With a sell. I do need to sell, and I do not say this in jest. I say this with like genuine worry in my heart. I sell Tiger Woods still driving his own freaking car. Yeah, I did that. We watched him get off. We watched him get off of a private jet and then get into the front seat of like a 2007 Nissan truck. Like, I need Tiger Woods getting off a private jet into the back of a Rolls Royce Cullinan and someone driving him. You're a billionaire, dude. Quit driving. Yeah, that's like I, the, I, the, that was one of the first things I thought too. I don't care also, if you like driving; it's done. Yeah, it's hard to it's hard to take the keys away from somebody, Joe. Right. Um, but I, I think everything you said there was 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 very well said. Obviously, you have your your ear to the ground a little bit more than I do, but that seems like everything was spot on, and it, it just not much credit to Jay Monahan throughout this and how he's handled this most of the way. But credit winners do when you know that you're when you know that you need help asking for that help is a, a, a honorable step. And he did that calling tiger in. And like we said, with Roy, like those guys listen to tiger, those guys respect tiger. Everybody in that room respects tiger because it's impossible not to. And also credit the tiger for doing it because five, 10 years ago, he might've just kind of said, no, nah, I'm good. Um, but it seems like this kind of new tiger with the, the new lease on life and kind of newfound. I can't even think of the word. Um, but perspective, that word at times. No, that's but, the word, though. A little bit of a newfound yeah. perspective that, like, you know, five, ten years ago, I'm not sure he has it. He probably just keeps doing his own thing. But I think he's understand the perspective and, and respect for the game, respect for the tour, respect for those that, you know, kind of came before him and wants to keep that thing going alive. So good for him showing up here, too. All right, Matt, let's keep this thing rolling downhill with a couple more topics before we say goodbye to the people. Um, where do we want to go? You tell me. I guess the, huh? You tell me. I guess there's been uh, some NBA news coming down the pipe. Um, KD has fully turned heel, obviously calling for jobs at this point. Um, They've given him everything he wants in Brooklyn. I don't know if that's where I want to go. LeBron signing a two-year, $97 million deal. Giannis alluding to the fact that maybe he could see himself as the Chicago Bull by the end of his career. That Um, was a weird – that was weird. That was a little bit weird, but he's a little bit weird. You know, he's – He's – He'll give you that. He'll play around with the media. I, I'm not reading too far into that, so I'm, that's not going to be my question. Okay. He's not going to be my question. LeBron is going to be my question. Buy go. yourself two years, $97 million, heading into year 20. Uh, a failed franchise, if you will, at this point, the Los Angeles Lakers. There's been all the news about him wanting to play with Bronny. Now, is Bronny an NBA talent? Is Bronny going to be ready a one and done? Is that ever going to come to fruition? I don't know. Um, buy yourself LeBron James's newest deal, and what does it tell you? I mean, good for him. Like, I'm glad that yeah. he got more money. Like, it's close to 100 mil for two years. Like, that's awesome. Uh, but I think it tells me he's not necessarily all that serious about catching Jordan six um, because I, I think there was a path for him to, you know, with a kind of locked up cap situation, at least for this year with with Russ. Um, you know, Anthony Davis obviously locked up. Like, if you wanted a chance to play with another Max, you know, a legitimate Max type player, he could have taken – two years, 50 million. And obviously that's, you know, sacrificing 47 million, but I mean, he's a billionaire like that. That doesn't really make all that much of a yeah. difference. And we, we see athletes, you know, like, like Tom Brady, for example, and everybody says, well, Tom Brady has a, you know, a multimillionaire, whatever, supermodel wife. 
LeBron James is a billionaire, so it's kind of the same situation. The the, the, yeah. the forty seven million doesn't really matter to LeBron James. It's, it's an just ego an thing. Ego. He does. It's, yeah, it's an ego exactly. thing. Exactly. And his ego, ego is attached. more important. It's wild though, because you'd think the ego would want to catch Michael Jordan, but apparently the ego is more worried about needing to be, you know, making fifty million a year as opposed to actually having a serious chance at going out and getting Jordan. I think what you, what this tells you is it's not going to happen. And I, I don't think that. Or it can contract, still happen, but it makes it harder to happen. I, I don't think this contract is grounds to just bash LeBron and devalue his legacy. But I think you touched on something there with ego and what constitutes success in today's NBA. Obviously, these guys are playing for championships, but I don't think it means as much to them as it used to. I don't think championships getting six. I don't think getting, getting one. I don't think getting two. I don't think... I don't think that's the only thing that constitutes success in today's NBA. It's also, hey, are you a $40 million guy? That's, mm-hmm. that's a huge um, indicator of success. Is, are you making 40 per? Because there's about 15, 20 of us making 40 per. Are you one of those guys? Well, LeBron is now. And it, it only, it's only right that he is still a top five player in the game. It's so yeah. impressive the way he has maintained this level of play. And I understand the Lakers have money, and this will not preclude them from building a championship roster around him. What will preclude him from doing that is him picking all of his friends to come play on the team with him. It's not the contract. It's the decision-making that's, that's getting in the way of them and more championships. I think, I think LeBron James deserves to be one of the highest-paid players in the game. Let me ask you the question this way. Is this sure. LeBron James' last NBA contract? So when does his current contract run up? This year. This is the last year of the that deal. So he's got – essentially he's signed for three more years. I'm going to uh, – that's a – I'm going to say no. I think there's a – I think there's a I think one, there's one, one more. Wherever Bronny, yeah. Wherever Bronny goes. I think that's I probably think one one. I think there's one more. Uh, but this, it, is, this is what happens. Expansion franchise gets announced over the next year in Las Vegas. LeBron gets announced as a part owner um, as a part owner and then becomes an owner player for a year. So he can play with Bronny and he'll, his first draft pick will be Bronny in the first, uh, however (laughs) many picks Bronny, the first overall pick. No, because because they're they're obviously going to get, they're going to get compensatory picks. They're going to get expansion picks. So somewhere in there, Bronny will go, um, Bronny will go to, um, the Las Vegas LeBrons, and they'll play together for a year or two. I think that's how this I wonder what out. LeBron would name the Las Vegas team. Um, the Las Vegas Zero Dark 30s? The Las Vegas... Um, Las Vegas Whoppers, Godfathers. The Las Vegas Godfathers. The, Las Vegas Godfathers. <laughs> um, the Aces is already the... Is it's already the, the WNBA WNBA team, I think, right? Yeah. Las Vegas Strippers. Which yeah, is like, I like that. No, which is like James a reference Harden. to the strip, not to actual strippers. You that'd know? be James Harden. Yeah. <laughs> Signed, sealed, delivered. Uh, Matt, you got one more for the people? Uh, oof. oof. I, so I want to I wanna talk FedEx Cup here, but I don't know how okay. to phrase it. Because I, we, we're, we're, kind of, we're, we're kind of past recapping Willie Z. Um, yeah. we've te- actually, we've teed off this morning. So let's pull up a, we'll pull up a scoreboard and see where we're at here. Um. What do we want? Buy or sell what you've seen. We'll do the same thing with uh, week one. Uh, we do with the preseason. Buy or sell what you've seen from the FedEx Cup so far. Oh, buy it. I, I think that last week was another, like, tour needed this type of thing yep. right now. You know, 
because there's that lull after the Open Championship and a couple of tournaments of you know, guys trying to accrue points and uh, better their FedEx Cup position. But that's the time where you know, like Rory said, he put a club that he put the clubs down for two weeks. Didn't even didn't even turn on Golf Channel. Like didn't even just tried to detach from it. So you have your top tier players detached from it for a few weeks. You lose all that momentum. Week one of the FedEx Cup's got to hit. And for Willie Z, who has been turned away at the velvet rope time and again this year to have finally gotten into the club, um, I thought that that was an amazing moment. He's a fan favorite. He's mm-hmm. one of these uh, high leverage guys who the, the live tour probably has backed up the Brinkstrup for, and we just haven't heard the report. Um, I think that it's so important for a guy like that to have won. No disrespect to Sepp Straka, but Sepp Straka walks away from that tournament the winner, and Will Zalatoris doesn't catapult the number There's one. There's not as much stuff. buzz. Yeah, yeah, we're kind of flat-footed heading into this week, whereas like this week, all right, Finau was in the mix, and he's probably going to contend again. Can Zalatoris put two to two in a row together and um, you know really shake this thing up and position himself perfectly coming to the Tour Championship? Uh, this is also a very interesting week in terms of that top 30 cut line, because you go from 70 to 30. We're losing 40 guys. There's going to be like 15 guys from 30 to 45 who conceivably should be at the tour championship, but you know, a stroke here, a stroke there, and you're not, you're not. Um, So I think that all of the different um, high leverage situations this week are uh, attention getters. And I'm just hoping that again, we get big names in position to garner that attention. We need Scheffler to play better. We need JT to play better. We need Rory to play better. Now, JT did finish strong Saturday, Sunday, had yeah, a couple of nights, chipped in on the 72nd hole. So hopefully he carries that momentum. But like, again, give me the names, give me the moments. And then let's, let's put on a show in Atlanta next week. But I think, I think the tour, I think the playoffs, it's positioned perfectly to give us um, some high drama and some great entertainment over the next two weeks. Yeah, you know, like going into the weekend, um, last weekend was like, oh, shit, like Rory didn't make the cut, like Scheffler didn't make the cut. There's a lot of big names not playing very well, and it seemed like this was like going to be a bad weekend for the tour in terms mm-hmm. of, you know, excitement and drama. And then here comes Will Zalatoris to kind of save the day. I mean, Spieth didn't make the cut last weekend. Willie Z, that I've just – I've never – I've never seen an ending like that. It was – it was amazing. It was uh, – it was – Joe, the ball bounced on the rock three times. Like okay. it wasn't just so, like it plugged. So here's it the was thing: bounce, no bounce, talking. bounce, bounce down. Like, the here's the thing: nobody's talking about. As Will Zalatoris stood over that ball, knowing Sepp Straka was already lying four mm-hmm. on the green, and that if he was to take it back to 96 yards and get up and down, you win your first ever PGA Tour tournament. For him to have stood over that ball and thought about hitting it as it was jammed up against the grass, sitting on top of rocks. And here's the thing nobody said on the broadcast or anywhere else. His caddy's practically brand new, not on tour, but mm-hmm. Will Zellatoris fired his caddy a few, I think a couple months ago. Like this is a new relationship. If you are the caddy in that scenario, yeah, you want your player to go through his process, but I am saying, you Will, pick up the ball. I'm not. I'm picking I'm it up for a, you. I would not have handed him that wedge to address the ball to get a feel for it. I, the, the, the clubs aren't coming out of the bag until we no, go back to the top zone. Like, like, come on. Like, that would have been – if I'm Will Zalatoris and I hit that ball and it goes into the water, like, I'm on to my next caddy because why yeah. did you let me do that? I, I also <laughs> feel like if, 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 like, I'm the golfer and my caddy if – I'm, if I'm Will in that situation and my caddy says, no, like, walk back, we're picking up the ball, you're not addressing it, and he just picks up the ball and walks back, like – Damn, I respect that. I respect yeah. the hell out of that. That's, I, that's the guy I need. To, 
Sometimes your caddy doesn't need to be your best friend. Like there's certain shots that you're standing over that your caddy needs to talk you up into a place of confidence because it's a hard shot. And then there's impossible shots that your caddy just needs to talk you off of. Exactly. And I would have loved to hear the dialogues between the two for that what felt like. Oh, minutes. what a mic'd up moment that would have um, been. But uh, just really glad that he did the right thing. He realized, hey, I am one of the greatest players with a wedge in my hand on the face of the planet Earth. Let me go back there and win this golf tournament. Um, and man, when, when but, he is putting, he oh, is, he, when he's putting, he's as good as anybody on tour. It, which is such a weird thing to say um, from where he was, let's say, a year ago, even eight months ago. Think of the pressure put, putts Will Zalatoris has made this year. Made the putt to four, made the putt on the 72nd hole to get into the playoff at the PGA Championship. Yeah. Um, made the putt in re- regulation made the putt to force the second playoff hole and then made the putt to win the playoff. Like he has made some stone cold killer putts this season from that seven to 10 foot range. And to see him react the way he did, what are you going to say now? Like a guy that not only executes, but is aware of the narrative that he needs to execute within. Like that's what it is. That's, that's the sport for me, man. Like that's, that's why I love this game and not to make everything a PGA tour versus live conversation but that does not exist when there is no context that Mm -hmm. does not exist on a tour where we're playing for nothing because we've already been paid where we don't know what this moment means. Cause it's the first time the tournament's ever been played at a place where it's just kind of country club golf. Anyway, we don't know if we're playing against the best players in the world. None of it. We don't know any of it. So to have all of those things in the back of our head to outline the context of what Will Zalatoris did on Sunday that's what's special. That's why it's great. That's why we love it. I cannot wait to see Will Zalatoris playing a road game for the USA in a Ryder Cup next year. Oh, my God. Like, but it's also going to be like, not to devalue that contest, but it's going to be like Will Zalatoris. Uh, Kyle Porter had a great tweet because he can pull names like nobody else. But like Will, Will Zalatoris in a singles match against the 203rd ranked player in the world because the Euros don't have – enough guys to fill out a roster. The you know, Euros like are going to suck Euro, anyways, though. The, the, but the back end of the Euro roster last Ryder Cup was already thin. Now you take away your captain and Henrik Stenson. Now you take away... They did name um, a new captain, right? It's somebody... Yeah, Luke Donald. That. Go cap. Let, that's Go right. Cap. Go cap. Um, you take away... Big 10 on CBS. You take away... Um, <laughs> you take away your captain. You take away a guy like uh, Louis Ustazen, who's been a, a, a long-staying guy. Like, no, he's not a Ryder Cup guy. He's South African. Oh, you're right. You yes. take, who are, so okay, who are you so looking I'm, I'm looking at... Am I completely so, just like arguing against... No, so it's, it's, it's... Hey, I respect what you're saying, but I'm looking at the... <laughs> hold on. Let me, let me pull it up here. I'm looking at the European points list right now. It, it's, it's really not as bad as you would think. Rom, yeah. Fleetwood, Hatton, Weisberger, Fitzpatrick, Rory, Casey. Okay, you, you Perez, lose who I don't know. Hat. No, you but you go, okay, fair enough. But you go, you move down a little bit. You got guys like Robert McIntyre. He's a fine player. Victor uh-huh. Hovland's twelve. Justin Rose is fourteen. Shane Lowry. So I guess we. So like, I guess we kind Lowry's of lose more guys. We lose more guys than they do. Kind of. Well, like, I'm, I'm going to the U.S. Ryder Cup standings. Yeah, we're, we're we talking. Lose, we're talking. Ryder we lose Cup. Brooks. We lose Reed, but. At the same okay, time, Reed, like okay, Reed wasn't on the team last year. We're not losing Patrick Reed. The guy sucks. No, but like he's he's constantly a guy who, if he's not qualified, is being considered for a captain's pick. Right now, we we're Shambo. We, we have number number Brooks. five, and DJ is gone. Uh, Cam Young, I hope we don't lose because he'd be nice yeah. to have. Um, yeah, you know, can't uh, can't lay a guy who could go. Jesus, 
Yeah. <laughs> we'll be in some trouble. No, we're going to be fine. We're going to be fine. Yeah. The, the U.S. Be... roster looks it looks a tad thin, but there, there's some time. Yeah. There's some, like, we got Scotty. We got Zal. We got JT. Uh, Morikawa showed himself to be a pretty Stones Ryder Cup player last year. Xander, yeah. Cantlay. Oh, no, I, I mean, you, you could – you could take players away from you could take players away from both sides of these rosters. There's no there's no question. Look at the leaderboards every Sunday. The depth and talent in terms of U.S. golf versus golf abroad is leaps and bounds better. And yeah. um, it's interesting. And I'm sure we could do a whole other podcast on it. But it's interesting how we got here because that wasn't the case outside of you know. There's been this weird post tiger dominance era so let's let's say we put a punctuation and yes there was the what was it 2016 20, 20 i think 2016 season when he won like four or five times or whatever it was one player of the year um after but i'm saying if we punctuated at 2008 and say that was the tiger versus everybody else era from mm-hmm. 96 to 08 from 08 to now, there's been ebbs and flows of like, all right, this weird world number one situation where like Luke Donald, Henrik Stenson, um, Louis Eustace, those guys are kind of at the top. And then like yeah. DJ DJ found himself and this this Rom guy appeared for the Euros. It's been a revolving now this, door. Now this Scheffler guy appears for the US. But it's just been interesting to see how like um, the – the depth and talent has kind of vacillated back and forth from abroad to the U.S., from abroad to the U.S., and I think we're, I think we're squarely in a U.S. dearth of talent situation right now. Uh, I think you're right. I think you're right. And I now, man, now I just now I'm pumped up for the Ryder Cup. I, I know it has to be every other year, but now I want it back. Get it back. He wants it back. Get it back. Get it Bring him. it back. What is it? It's it Rome, right? Yeah. Rome? Mar- Marco yeah. Simone, Simone Golf and Country Club in Rome, Italy. Of course. You got to love it. Home, we should home go. Game. We home should game go. Guys, we're officially, we're officially what, taking no, the nations to get press passes. Give me, give me Ryder Cup dates. Give September 25th, October 1st. We can do that. It's fine. September it's 25th. just football season. Yeah, that's tough. It's that's just tough. football season. We got to avoid those first 10 weeks anyway, so... Um, but we'll see how it all plays out, both on the Ryder Cup, on tour, on the football field. We got some fun weeks coming ahead. Again, next week will be a preview pod. College football season previews and picks. Uh, the aforementioned Phil Goff sitting in for me as I go uh, as I go walk down the aisle. Um, I guess that's not my job. I got to well, yeah, stand at the end of the aisle. But yeah. as I go get married. Um, well, you walk somewhere. But, uh, it's going to be a great preview pod with Phil. He always does great work for us on the Notre Dame front and uh, throughout the entire college football landscape. We'll be I, sure to I get your I'll, college football playoff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, we'll yeah. I will, I'll be sending in my college football playoff prediction here prior to uh, that podcast happening. Be read aloud. Uh, and then the week following, we will do our NFL preview and picks. And then we are then full more into the season, folks. But for now... He is Matt Rooney. I am Joe Musso. Matt, say goodbye to the people. Later. May God give you for every storm a rainbow, for every tear a smile, for every care a promise, and a blessing in each trial. I swear I've seen a lot of stuff in my life, but that was awesome. (laughs) Chicken on the steak was phenomenal.